Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. I think I've said all I need to say. Uh, I want to hear you now, enough of me. So, Swami. And hopefully, uh, besides um, whatever you have to share, we'll have some time for interaction. I'm sure people will want to know more things about you. Yeah, it's on. It's that one. couple of friends who were walking in a very deep and dense forest, a jungle, full of fearful animals and bugs and mosquitoes and leeches and yucky stuff. And they were just lost in this jungle for days and weeks. And finally, they reached the bottom of a mountain. So now we seeing something different. And one of the friends is a little tired and he doesn't really want to you know, try something new, so he just says, oh, I'll just stay here. And the other one, no, 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 we have to go up the mountain. I'm sure we'll see something better. I said, oh, you just go, you know, I'm tired of this. So, okay. The one friend, he starts climbing up this mountain and it's really a tough and steep mountain and he almost loses his footing quite a few times. But after many, many hours of very arduous climb, finally he reaches the top, and from there he is just left speechless with the beauty that is unveiled. Beautiful valleys with turquoise lakes and beautiful green forest and an ocean in the back and meadows and flowers and... He's just shouting his joy to his friend who is below, but his friend cannot hear anything. He says, what? And the uh, friend on top is sh keeps on shouting the beauty that he's surveying and describing, and his friend cannot hear a single thing. So at this point, the friend realizes he has two choices. He just stays on top of the mountain and shouts and shouts his joy, or he goes down the mountain and he brings his friend up. And that friend happened to be someone called Buddha. And he came down the mountain to bring all of us up, all of us up to his level, to his viewpoint, to that level of beauty. So when I met uh, James, he was first through email uh, a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, and, and then yesterday. He uh, requested me to share a little bit of the bhakti side, uh, the joy side, the love side, the devotion side of, of our spiritual practice through storytelling. So that's what I would like to, to do with you and maybe with a couple of songs uh, to come up to this level of joy and without having to shout too much, hopefully. <laughs> Um, I spent a long time with my uh, with my guru, uh, 
Baba Hari Harananda as his mm, personal secretary or attendant, you could say, which is probably one of the most difficult and bizarre experience you can have <laughs> because to be the attendant of a realized master is an exercise in absurdity. <laughs> Uh, non-stop. I used to call the ashram the toughest heaven on earth. <laughs> and one of the things that surprised me the most is I, I would arrive, you know, at first to Baba uh, 20 years ago and we call him Baba. And Baba means respected father. And uh, old eager beaver with my notebook and my uh, uh, tape recorder and ready to write down all these beautiful profound philosophy, Vedantic concept that Baba would dictate to me and ask me to recite and meditate on and he only told me stories. Day after day, week after week, month after month and he also taught me how to sing, you know. And I was thinking, okay, uh, there must be a reason why we start with this easy stuff, you know. <laughs> and so I wrote down everything faithfully because, you know, I believe uh, if the guru says this story, there must be a reason. But they were not even particularly interesting stories. They were about toilets, you know, and plumbing and someone losing his ring and and I just couldn't see the, the point of most of these stories. They were not even these, you know, aha stories, well at least that I understood. But I step, you know, kept writing and recording and waiting, you know, until the day we'd get to the real stuff. <laughs> the philosophy, the, you know, the incredibly complex, you know, insights of Vedanta and it never came. I spent entire uh, time with Baba just chanting and telling stories. And he would tell me a story, then he would ask me to repeat it. And then he'd ask me to change it. And then at night he would ask me to tell him stories, <laughs> bedtime stories. And so I finally realized that that was the teaching for me, because Baba treated every single disciple differently. And for me, he was teaching me to be a storyteller and a singer. Because I understood that later, it is a very powerful way that has been used in every tradition to communicate very subtle, profound truths, but in a metaphorical way. And it was only years later that I understood what the story about the, the toilet was about, you know. <laughs> and I'm still understanding now, 20 years later, all of a sudden I'll be walking down the street and say, the ring, yes, <laughs> it was the ring. <laughs> now I understand what it's about. And I, 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 I developed a great fondness for this art, which is the art of bypassing the defenses of the ego. Because if you tell a sermon, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep talking, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll practice it, and probably I won't. <laughs> but you tell a story, and now the ego is saying, oh, okay, it's just, you know, story time, I can go relax, nothing threatening will happen to me and my power. Huh? So you keep on telling your silly stories and the ego goes take a nap, okay? And at that time, because those are metaphorical tales, what we call wisdom tales or teaching tales, developed by great masters, Sufi masters, Zen masters, um, uh, Jewish masters, Hindu masters, they have embedded in the story a message for the soul that the ego has no clue what it's about. That was me, you know, I had no idea what the story was about because I was just in my ego. And later, through contemplation, these messages started to surface and I started to understand what they were about. And I realized these stories are living within us. They are like a friend that will never leave us. 
And when we are in a situation of a crisis or a certain moment of our life when we need an inspiration, uh, a solution, the story will come and activate itself and it will give us the solution. I've been telling stories now around the world for the last 15 years and so many times people, when I return to the city, people tell me, oh, you know, Swamiji, that story you told me seven years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, well, it changed my life or, it's, or it saved my life or something happened with that story. So then I finally realized that Baba was teaching some of the most profound spiritual truths through this medium, stories and singing also. Singing is another way to bypass the ego. And, and embed a very profound message in the soul through repetition, rhyme, melody, rhythm, patterns, also dancing. Right? So this is what I, I'd like to share with you. I'd like to start actually with a song, and a song that we're going to, hopefully, you'll join in with me. Uh, it's a song in Gurumukhi. Gurumukhi is the ancient language developed by Guru Nanak, the founder of Sikhism. And we're going to sing it. It's very simple. Sare sasa, sare sasa, sare sasa, sarang. That's the first line. The second line, hare re har har, hare re har har, hare re har har, harang. It's a healing mantra, a mantra of very profound purification. And to experience its power even more, I'm going to teach you a very simple mudra. Mudra is like a mantra in action. Uh, it's a gesture with the hands. Yeah. And so as we sing it, <laughs> we'll do this, this movement. Sare sa sa sare sa sa sare sa sa sarang hare re har har hare re har har hare re har har hare rang it's the shape of a heart we go like this and they come back in the heart and then again and we come back as a heart okay so let's see what happens. Ready with the las manitas? Sa sa re sa 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 re sa 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 re sa 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 ra hari re har har hari re har har hari re har har hari ra. Sare sa sa sare sa sa sare sa sa sarang hare re har har hare re har har hare re har har hare rang 
if you associate them with certain rhythms, uh, certain movements. Uh, for instance, this is the one song I use all the time when I do work with street children. Uh, we just find some children living on the streets in South America. Uh, there are so many of them, and they are all in a very difficult situation. They are addicted, they are prostitutes, they are violent, they are so restless. Their mind is a mess, but their heart is so beautiful but you cannot connect with them immediately because they are just so much in their ang anger, anxiety, craziness. So we always start with this song. And we'd not say, we're going to do some mudras. <laughs> no, we say, we're going to make some fun uh, gestures and music together. And you know, you say, okay, yeah, let's try, why not? And after three minutes of this, they are 
so centered and then you can start the teaching the communication the whatever the message you want to share with them so there's really power in these uh, ancient teaching techniques i mentioned earlier uh, someone said um, oh swamiji one of your stories saved my life so i'll tell you that story maybe it'll save somebody else's life one day there was a um, a king who was curious one day to know what his subjects thought about him. So he called his prime minister and he says, get me some disguise, you know, the clothes of an old, you know, peasant or something, and at night we'll slip out together into the streets and we'll just, you know, see what the people are saying about me. And the prime minister says, mm, I don't think that's such a good idea. The security, security issues, you might not like what you're hearing. And says, No, you listen to me. I need to know the truth. Okay, your majesty. So the prime minister comes at midnight and the king and the minister don the garb of a beggar. Huh? And they slip out of the castle. They're just walking around and they go to the poorest area of the city. And... They're hearing, you know, a lot of complaints, of course, and life is hard, king is stupid, and these things. And, <laughs> and they reach one particular street in the most ghastly, you know, poorest part of the ghetto on the side of the city. And they hear someone singing in his house, which is so out of context, you know, this place of bleakness and misery. Why is someone singing? So curious, they go towards the house and they see through the window, this poor man sitting in a bare room in front of a bare table with just on the table a glass of water and a little piece of stale bread. And the man is chanting the glories of God and thanking him for this wonderful meal. <laughs> and the king is really surprised and he tells his prime minister to go away. I want to check this out. What is this man about? So he knocks on the window. So the man jumps up with joy and says, oh, A guest! So wonderful! Please come in, whoever you are. He doesn't know he's the king, of course, you know. And let's share this wonderful meal together that God has provided. And the king says, What are you talking about? <laughs> you have a glass of water, an empty room, you know, your clothes are so dirty, and you have just a little piece of stale bread to share with me? And you're thanking God for this? You should be angry at him. He says, no, 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 you don't understand how he works, you know. He always takes care of our needs. You just have to ask. He says, mm -hmm. And uh, if you were to ask for a better life, do you think he would give it to you? He says, undoubtedly, you know. It's just a question of asking. I says, well, uh, what is your profession? He says, oh, I'm a, I'm a, what do you say, someone who mends shoes? Uh, shoemaker. A shoemaker? A cobbler. A cobbler. I'm a cobbler, Yes. And I make just enough money to pay my rent, you know, to uh, pay for my materials. And I have enough money left at night to have a simple meal. Why should I not be happy? You know, if you call that a meal. But anyway, okay. I will not disturb you any longer. Actually, I've lost my appetite. You enjoy your meal. <laughs> and the king goes back. And he talks with his prime minister on the way. and says, you know, this really man, he has a very dangerous philosophy that God will always save him. And he's happy with such... You know, misery, this is very dangerous. I have to correct him. Huh? He has to develop some more desire to improve his life, you know, empower himself. So 
he says, tomorrow morning, you're going to go through the city uh, with all the uh, royal announcers, messengers, and you're going to declare that from this day onward, the cobbler profession is banned from the kingdom. No one is allowed to repair shoes in the kingdom. Prime ministers, okay, your majesty, whatever. Uh, so the next day, the messages go out. And the cobbler, who's just about to open his shop, hears the message. He says, hmm, that's interesting. Then I'm sure that God will send something even better. And so he's sitting outside his shop and thinking and just watching the people going by. And uh, he notices an old woman who is trying to carry a bucket of water back to her house. And he says, oh, Mother Melbourne, let me help you. This is too heavy for you. So he carries it. And she's so grateful because she happens to live on the third floor. Huh? So he carries the bucket up for her, and she's so grateful. She gives him a little copper coin. He says, wow, this is wonderful. And then he just realized, well, I could do this all day. And he helps many people carrying buckets of water. At night, the king again slips out, and he goes to the, mm, to the house of the old man. And as he's approaching his street, he can hear the man singing even more gloriously. And he says, well, something's wrong here. He should be starving today. Why is he singing like this? Where is he getting that energy from? <laughs> so he peers through the window and he sees this man who is with his glass of water, a bigger piece of bread, and a piece of cheese. <laughs> what? <laughs> so as he's staring through the window, the poor man sees him and says, oh! my guest has come back welcome please today you must accept uh, my meal and says what 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 happened i heard that this stupid king uh, banned your profession so how come you have more you know money and and food today and the, co the cobbler says well this is what i did i just changed profession i'm now a water carrier and i make much more money you see you should always uh, tr trust god and be happy Oh, you still th stick to that philosophy. Maybe it was just, you know, a fluke. He says, no, 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 it always works. Trust me. And the king says, okay, good, thank you. He goes back to his, uh, you can see where this is leading to. <laughs> he goes back to his palace and he calls again his prime minister. He says, tomorrow we are banning the profession of water carriers. <laughs> <laughs> so the Next night, the, the king just can hardly wait, you know, for the next 24 hours. And he goes out again the next night, and he's going towards that famous house. And he can hear the man now just see, belting out <laughs> his hallelujahs. <laughs> and he's, as he's getting near the window, he just peers through it carefully, and now he sees the man with a glass of wine, <laughs> a nice piece of cheese, you know, a little bit of ham, bread, and... <laughs> so he goes in he doesn't even wait to be invited and he says what's that <laughs> I, ho I, th I thought that water carriers and cobblers were banned from the kingdom so how, what happened and the cobbler the ex-cobbler ex-water carrier says <laughs> yes that's true that's the news I heard this morning so what did you do well I just sat outside and I thought mm, maybe God will send me something better today and, and so what happened? Well, after a few minutes, I saw some people who were going towards the forest. And I, I asked, brothers, where are you going? Uh, I said, we're going to the forest to cut some wood. Said, oh, and I said, can I come with you? I'd love the exercise and the fresh air. He said, well, yes, of course, you can come with us. And so he went there, and 
they saw that this poor man was quite vigorous, so they said, hey, do you want to help? And they gave him an axe, and he started to cut some wood, and he went back with them, and he sold the wood, and he made even more money than he was as a cobbler or as a water carrier. So you see, God is always improving your life. You just have to ask. I don't like this philosophy. It's not true. It just happens to work two times, okay? But you can't make a, a, a generalization out of that. You should be careful with that the, um, philosophy. And the king goes back. And he calls the prime minister and says, we are banning woodcutters tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you make the arrangements, it's forbidden, okay? So the next morning, the, uh, wood, the ex uh, <laughs> woodcutter finds himself out of a job again. And uh, he's sitting outside and on the little bench, and he's thinking, oh, this is interesting. I have a new career every day. I wonder what I'll be today. <laughs> and at that moment, he um, hears the captain of the guards uh, making an announcement that they are recruiting new, new soldiers. Hmm? And uh, the uh, trick was that the captain of the guards was not there by accident. The king had sent him to entice the uh, poor man to enroll as a soldier. And the trick was soldiers are paid only once a month, at the end of the month. And this happened to be the beginning of the month. So the king wanted to make sure that this man would not get any money for at least 27 days. Mm. But the man doesn't know that. He just goes joyfully and rolls as a soldier. He's given a new uniform, a shiny elm helmet, a beautiful sword, and he's just uh, standing guard outside of the palace now, so happy with his new job. At night, naturally, he goes to see the captain of the guards, and he asks for his salary. And the captain looks at him and says, what salary? He says, well, yes, you know, I put in an honest day's work, so I should get some salary says, you're a civil servant. You get paid at the end of the month. The end of the month? Yes, that is the rule. Oh, okay. And the poor man goes back home, and uh, on the way home he's thinking, well, that's an interesting new job. I just need to find a way to eat for the next 27 days <laughs> until I get paid. And as he's walking down the street thinking about this and, and, and uh, invoking the blessings of God and his inspiration, he stops in front of a pawn shop all of a sudden and he's thinking, hmm, I have this sword, that's probably worth a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so he just goes in the shop and says, how much would I get for that? And he gets a lot of money for that. And he says, good, you just make sure you don't sell this sword, okay? I will come and pick it up in 27 days. Just make sure you don't sell it. Eh? I will redeem it because I'll get my salary by then. So he goes home with his money, he buys himself a fantastic meal, and as he's just about to sit down at the table, he's thinking, well, tomorrow if I show up at work without my sword, I might be in trouble. It's state property, so <laughs> it's not really mine to sell or even to put up. Mm, so he's looking around his house and he finds a piece of wood, uh, a nice piece of wood, and he starts to carve it in the shape of a, of a sword, and he makes sure it fits the scabbard perfectly, and he paints the, uh, the, the stick that's yeah. sticking out, the handle, you know, uh, exactly the color of the original sword, and he puts it there, and hey, it looks exactly like a sword. Perfect. My plan is done. 
and he's just about to sit down to eat his wonderful meal when, who does he see? Does he see? His guest with eyes like this, the king in disguise, staring at this table, groaning unto the weight of so much food. <laughs> and the king just can't tolerate it. He jumps through the window into the room says, what's that? <laughs> you know, you can't uh, um, fix shoes. You can't carry water. You can't cut wood. How did you get this? You know, you're out of job. I says, no, no, I have a new job now. I'm a soldier. I'm guarding the palace of the king. Yeah, but that's a civil servant job. You only get that paid at the end of the month. So how did you get that, the money to buy food for today? He says, well, don't tell anyone. Huh? <laughs> but <laughs> I have a little secret. You see, they gave me this really nice sword. So I just, you know, redeemed it at the shop. And I got you know, a lot of money for it. But don't worry, no one will know. Because uh, by the end of the month, I'll get it back with my salary. And in the meantime, I made this beautiful wooden sword, you see? But don't tell anyone, huh? otherwise I'll be in trouble. If the king came to hear about it, he'll cut off my head. <laughs> so the king is thinking, I nailed him. <laughs> Tomorrow, he's going to get it. He says, thank you, I'm very happy for you. I'm kind of in a hurry. You enjoy your meal. And he runs back to his palace. And he makes some special arrangements with his prime minister for the next day. The next day, the poor man goes uh, to take his, his post at the gate of the palace with his fake sword uh, that no one can see. And uh, uh, the captain of the guards, who has been instructed by the king, goes right up to him and says, today you have a special honor. Uh, the, the king has given you a special duty. We have this man who has been in jail and condemned to death. Today you will cut off his head with your own sword. Okay, so they bring the prisoner in front of the poor man with his fake sword in his scabbards, and uh, the whole population is gathered there, and the king is watching through the window. And the poor man is thinking, hmm, this is an interesting situation. There's no way that I'm going to be able to cut somebody's head with a wooden sword. <laughs> and if I don't produce the sword, I'm the one who's probably going to get his head cut, cut off. And so he's thinking, well, God has always saved me. He's, he's going to make it even better now. I have no doubt about it. And all of a sudden, he has a brainwave. He stands up proudly in front of the prisoner who has his head bent, awaiting the fatal blow. And the poor man puts his hands on the handle of his fake sword, which is still in the scabbard, and he says, As God is my witness... If this man is guilty, let me cut off his head. But if he's innocent, let my sword be turned into a piece of wood. <laughs> and everybody fall on their knees and say, it's a miracle! <laughs> and the king is thinking, this guy is unbeatable. <laughs> I think I'm going to start following his philosophy. <laughs> It's a Sufi tale, a very famous Sufi tale called The Wooden Sword. And I tell this story around the world many times. And a few years ago, I was telling this story around a campfire in, in Brasilia. And one of the young men who heard the story he was 15 years old in those day, at that time, Rodrigo. He really took it very, 
very a great interest in that story. The next day I was guiding meditation again in Brasilia and this young man, Rodrigo, happened to be early. So he decided to meditate in the park just before the meditation. He had like an hour before. But he happened to be sitting in a very dangerous park. It's like the junkies park. Hmm? And as he's uh, practicing his meditation and bowing, Suddenly he hears some footsteps, and without even having to get up, he knows he's in trouble, <laughs> because those are footsteps of people of kind of unstable, hmm? uh, probably drunk, and with rough voices demanding, you know, what the heck are you doing here? And he knows he's going to be either molested or killed, or because Brasilia is a very dangerous city, or at the very least robbed of his jacket, his wallet, his whatever he has. Hmm? And Rodrigo is not even getting up. He's just all of a sudden remembering the story. And he's thinking, well, I'm sure that this is going to turn into a beautiful experience. <laughs> God is going to give me some beautiful solution. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he has an idea as he's just remembering this story. So he, sta he stands up very calmly, and he looks at his three ruffians, and really rough guys, drunks, dr dr drug addicts, and he answers the question, you know, what the heck are you doing there? He says, I'm looking for my father. He says, what? Your father is there? Yes. My father loves me, and I'm looking for him. And you know what? He loves you too. So now the drunks is reading and trying to get their mind around this concept. What? My father is there. He loves me. He loves you too. What is this about? And uh, Rodrigo starts talking to them in a very calm voice, very loving voice, you know, without any fear whatsoever about God's love hmm? and his father's love. And the, 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 the bandits are, you know, a little confused, and, and but their evil nature takes over after a while. And they say, okay, okay, yeah, this is really fine. Give me your jacket, you know, give me your watch, give me your wallet. And at that very moment, a policeman happens to go by on his bicycle. And he sees this young man under a tree surrounded by these three, you know, tough-looking guys. And the policeman just stops, you know, and he says, everything okay there? And Rodrigo says, yes, officer, I was just saying goodbye to my friends. And he picks up his jacket and says, and I'll go with you now. <laughs> <laughs> and that night he reached my meditation uh, center and he says, Swamiji, I have something to share. Can I share? Can I share? <laughs> and he says, yes. And he says, your story just saved my life. I says, really? How did that happen? And he told us exactly what that, that happened. That, that belief, that consciousness, that mm, new energy that came into his mind inspired him and gave him exactly the words he needed just enough to put off the in inevitable attack just enough so that the policeman who came from God probably <laughs> came and took him home <laughs> so there are power in these stories I'd like to share with you maybe a story now about uh, my favorite subject. What is my favorite subject? Love. Love happened to be stranded on an island because there had been a big flood and she was all alone and scared and the water kept rising and all the other um, uh, 
places were also starting to be flooded, so people were going by boat. Okay. And but the, the water kept rising, and she her, the, the the surface of the island is receding and receding, and she's desperately looking someone who could help her, who could save her, and she sees a boat going by, and in the boat there is this passenger whose name is Vanity. And love is calling out, Vanity, Vanity, please, please, come and help me, save me, take me with you. And Vanity says, oh, are you kidding? You're so ugly. <laughs> you are wet. <laughs> You're going to make a mess of my boat, okay? I've got to keep it proper. And he says, but God bless you. Someone will come soon to save you. I am sure of that. And Vanity disappears. And the water keeps rising, and night's up to the knees, and love is looking desperately, and another boat goes by. And she recognizes who is driving the boat. It's Joy. She says, Joy, Joy, come, save me, take me with you. And, she says, and Joy says, oh, I'm so happy to see you. This is so great. You're going to have the best experience of your life. Bye. <laughs> And joy disappears. <laughs> now the water is climbing up to her waist. And love is desperate and looking. And another boat is going by. And she recognizes sadness. And says, oh, sadness, you have come to rescue me. Please take me. And sadness starts crying. Says, oh, my poor love. It's awful. What's happening to you? I can't tolerate it. <laughs> And she goes away. <laughs> and love now has water up to her neck. And an old man is coming by in a very old, fragile boat. And without saying a word, he takes love out of her difficult plight, puts him on his boat, and takes, him to, takes her to tierra ferma, uh, safe, uh, high land, high ground. And he just goes away without saying a word. And love is just so grateful and astonished. And she's wondering, well, who was this man? The only one who saved me. And she sees Wisdom, who is passing by. And she hails him. Wisdom, Wisdom, come. Did you see who was that man who saved me? And Wisdom says, yes. Who was he? Who was he? I need to know. He was Father Time. Time. End of the story. So what is the moral of this story, do you think? Patience, my dear. Only time can understand love. Our love can only be understood through time. It's not through joy, through passing emotions such as joy or sadness or vanity or pride or only time will reveal the depth of our love. And only wisdom will explain that to us. And how we develop wisdom? Through the Sangha, through the teachings, through the meditation. Everything comes with time. So maybe time for a last song? I'm glad you love the Beatles because I also love the Beatles. <laughs>
especially St. George, George Harrison. open the page of another song. I guess another song is coming. <laughs> it's a medley of two very famous songs by uh, mm, St. Judy Garland and St. Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> So pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, How do you do? They're really saying, I love you. And I hear babies cry, and I watch them grow. They'll learn much more that I'll ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world I think to myself What a wonderful world <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you Om Namah Shivaya um, shall we stop and...
take some time for question and answers or what is your desire? <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Hang on. I just want to say how absolutely refreshing this moment is with you. Thank you oh. very, very much. One more story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toilets. Okay. Here's the story that I heard from Baba's lips. <laughs> there was a lady who was um, doing her business in the toilet, and as she's turning around to flush, her wedding ring falls in the bowl with the poo-poo and everything. And without a moment's hesitation, she puts her hand in the poo-poo to retrieve her wedding ring. End of story. <laughs> and if you're like me, it'll probably take you 15 years to figure out what the hell is this about? <laughs> Do you like a shortcut? <laughs> <laughs> we would go to any extreme to retrieve what is the most precious, and that is recapturing our soul. That is the most precious thing we have, rep recapturing our peace. And we would be willing to put up with any CRAP for that. <laughs> That's what I got from that story. <laughs> yeah, stories don't have to be so long. <laughs> Sometimes the shortest ones are the most <laughs> impactful. <laughs> uh, in just a, a few minutes, I'm curious how... Um, how it's come about that you've established all these orphanages and schools and things like that. You know, ha just coming to a new place like in South America and saying, "Okay, I'm going to do this." And how how many are there all together? Yes, thank you. The, there is a story behind it, of course. <laughs> um, it started with a really a heartbreak, a horrible, horrible heartbreak. I was um, visiting Sao Paulo, uh, and I had been going there for a few years, conducting meditation programs and seminars. And one day, as I was walking on the street, I saw, of course, there was a lot of uh, street children. Uh, they are rampant in Sao Paulo, which is this gigantic, mega city, bigger than Los Angeles. And uh, these children looked really not only dirty and addicted, but terribly scared. And I was wondering what they, why are they, you know, behaving in that way? Because I've seen street children in many other countries, but not with that kind of level of, of terror. And I was told that they are used as target practice by the police, who shoot them like rats. They are, and I was so 
absolutely devastated at this level of dehumanization that you don't even see a suffering brother, but you just now have joy, you know, shooting at a child that you just think is a rat, you know. And so that night I went to my meditation group and I beseeched, I begged, you know, the disciples, please, is there not anything we can do to at least try to save some of these children, yeah? give them a shelter? And they all responded very enthusiastically. This was back in 2001. And uh, I got the inspiration to call our project the Ark of Love because my idea was to create a shelter uh, like the Ark of Noah, but uh, where these uh, children will come out as powerful, confident, loving human beings who would go and in turn take care of other children. And that was the, the, the basic philosophy that was created in five minutes uh, out of this situation. And it has been going strong ever since, and it spread then to other countries, to India. So, uh, and, and there, there's, there's several in South America and several in, in India. Yes, uh, we uh, take care of street children mostly, and, and or adolescents at risks, uh, engaged in risky behavior, drugs, prostitution, and, and violence. And uh, you know, what do we use? Well, we use these tools. You know, songs, mudras. Uh, wisdom tales, uh, we, t we teach them mostly through these uh, uh, tools, very simple tools, and they respond very well. Games, we play a lot of educational games, metaphorical games, you know, that have a meaning that they have to figure out. We do a lot of arts huh? activities, yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, recently we organized uh, an art class uh, for them where we bandaged their eyes and they had to do a self-portrait as they see themselves inside without seeing. And we were floored by the results. We organized an exhibition after that. We had like 40 different uh, paintings, self-portraits. It was unbelievable to see how their pain, their suffering, their anger, and their hope also, their love, their aspiration were coming through these blind portraits. So we use these tools basically. Uh, we don't use too much shoulds and should nots. Yeah? <laughs> we let them discover themselves what is good for their, uh, for their, for themselves, and what will give them peace, what will give them confidence and joy, and then they just go out and teach it to other children. Yeah. So the idea is each child teach one child. Yeah. So a any idea how many how many children or people who've. I, I, I really okay. cannot say uh, because it's it's constantly you know uh, going and we, uh, it's not big numbers it's in the hundreds but not you know millions or thousands but it's in the hundreds but uh, it's it's a very slow steady process and we have been working with some of these children since 2001 so that's eight years and every year I go back and I see them. And they are growing confident. Some of them are getting married. Some of them have been mentors or tutors to others. Some have been killed, you know, in street violence. I mean, we see everything. But it's, it's really beautiful to see how they have taken the message, most of them, to heart mm -hmm. so deeply and went out there and taught it to other people. Mm -hmm. And in India, it's a little different. We don't... Because in India, surprisingly, there are no street children. I kept looking for them for a long time. But because of the extended family system, 
it's really rare to find an orphan or an abandoned child sleeping on the street. You do see them in, in, in Bombay, Calcutta, and, and Delhi. But outside of these metropoles, you don't see them. But it doesn't mean they are well treated. Many times they are slaves at a distant uncle or a grandmother or whatever, and terribly badly treated. So for them, I started orphanages and free schools uh, because the, the, the context is different. Thank you. And this is all uh, supported through what, donations, or do you have a foundation? You are the supporters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I receive no money from governments, and even if the government would give me, I would not take it, mm -hmm. because it always comes with strings attached. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's been a uh, 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 work of love. It's the arc of love, and love is taking care of its own. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> so if people... People, if you just Google Ark of Love, would uh, you... We have a website, uh, which is, uh, because it's mostly in, sp in Latin American countries, it's, uh, it's the website name is arcadelamor.org, uh, or Red de Amor, which is the network of love. But if you Google network of love, or Ark of Love, or Hari Harananda Mission, You'll find us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and storytelling monk. And storytelling yeah. monk, undoubtedly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so some of the the Donna tonight also will go to support your work. You. Yeah. So let's uh, let's close with a, a loving kindness and just uh, how wh what a beautiful example that one can uh, share one's love from joy and uh, touch so many people, and it's really a. It's a delight and honor to have you here, Swami. Mm, just notice what's going inside for you right now. Whatever has touched you, whether it's a story or a goodness of heart, and let it register in your consciousness and open your heart. And breathing in all the goodness and love around you and let it awaken all the love inside of you and radiate out. And include yourself as you share love with all beings. May all feel their goodness inside. May I and all share their love well. May I and all beings wake up to our true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone we know, and all beings everywhere. May all beings live in happiness and peace. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Swami. And you, there's still a good uh, a good 
bazaar over here, Asian Bazaar in Berkeley, uh, if you want to check out the malas and CDs and things like that. Have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.